Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Many people in their entrepreneurial journey, their, their starting of a business, are doing the work, they're helping clients, but it's not always clicking. It's not always making the money we want. It's not driving the success we want. And sometimes it's the right question. Sometimes it's the right mentor. Sometimes it's the right book that changes everything for us. And some people just never get to that point and they're not sure why. We're going to dig into how changes in your business, sometimes it's mindset, sometimes it's activities, can change a business from making a little bit of money to making or to, to revenue over a million dollars a year, right? A million dollar business is the goal of everyone when they start. Not everyone achieves it. So we're going to hear the story of that today. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate you joining and listening with us today. I want to thank my platform, C-Suite Radio and the C-Suite Network for helping me push this out across the world. And I want to thank my sponsor, Network Together, a nationwide group of people coming together online for networking, for business, for commerce, and for camaraderie. Go to ntevents.net. They have an event so you can meet more people, drive more clients, and find like-minded people to network with. Today's guest built a business, now has a podcast, now has a blog, has her, a book that, that we're going to talk about as well. All of this she did and she built while dealing with a family situation that many would have said, hey, I can't do it all. Jessica Simpson did, Jessica Simpson, Jessica Zimmerman did do it all. Thanks for joining, Jessica. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I want to start like I always do on this show, just learning a little bit about your path to entrepreneurship. Was this something you always knew you were going to have your own business? Well, I think, you know, when I was three years old, I was in a car accident and my sister died and I survived. And I think that um, I saw, you know, my dad, he went to work, he made the money and my mom kind of poured all of her energy into her only surviving child. And when I left to go to college, I saw how hard that was on her. Um, and I just kind of knew that I wanted something that was my own and that that was okay. It was almost emotional insurance, to be honest. If, if one day I was lucky enough to have a family and we were to get in a car accident and I was the only survivor, I would have something, um, that was just mine that wasn't necessarily linked to uh, the members of my family. So that might sound messed up, but that's kind of um, where it all kind of began with me. Interesting. So what, obviously it, from, it didn't start at three, but as you were growing up, as you got to college, was it something that was a progression or was there just a point in time where you just knew I think it did. I think it did start at three, to be honest. I think, you know, I went through life knowing that uh, tomorrow is not promised. And I think while a lot of people, they say that, I really know that to my core and have known that to my core my whole life. It doesn't ever surprise me when someone says so-and-so died. I might be upset or sad or, you know, grieving, but I'm not surprised because we could all go at any time. And so that I really always had this appreciation for time. I valued time. I was frustrated, you know, growing up because I had to be in school for eight hours a day 
And I thought I always learned better outside of school, to be honest, I still do, um, you know, just by experience and failing and messing up and learning and then doing it again. And um, I got really frustrated with school because I just didn't, I just thought it was a way, like being in there that many hours of the day um, did not seem valuable to me. And um, I just thought there were other things that I wanted to do with my time. And so the only way that I knew how to be as present of a mom as my mom was to me and get to be in control of my time was to own my own business. And um, that's really what it boiled down for me, to me for is that I, I didn't care what I did. I would have sold knives for a living, almost did. Um, I just wanted to be my own boss. I love it. And I, I, my wife lost a sister to a car accident and, and it was a very changing experience for the both of us yeah. in what matters, what doesn't matter, what you do and what you don't do. Absolutely. And I too sold knives for a day. Oh, um, nice. It, it didn't go well. So, so I found other <laughs> things that I could sell later in life. Uh, so coming, you, you went to college. Were, were you looking at business ideas while you were in school? No, and, no. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know any, like, I just, I've never really experienced anything outside of the town that I grew up in. Um, I had about four good friends that, I mean, we all went to college together. I, um, you know, I, there just wasn't, I, did, I hadn't experienced a lot and I was bored and I knew I was bored and I was, I always knew that I was meant to do something um, more than what, this is going to sound uh, arrogant, and I don't mean for it to, but I mean, what I mean by it is I always knew from, a, from when I was a little child is that I was meant to do more than the people that I saw around me. Meaning I knew that I was going to do more than just like go work for someone else, get a paycheck every two weeks, get two weeks off for vacation and basically live you know, that way and then come home at five o'clock and take care of my family and get up and do it all over again. I just, I always knew that that was not going to be my life. And did, did you start down the, the traditional path? Did you go get a job when you got out of college and reinforce that information? Or were you just like, I ain't doing no. that? I mean, I just always knew that I wasn't, I didn't want to work for other people. I sat on the couch for a year, to be honest, after I graduated college, I got married and I sat on the couch for a year, which was a hard year because I never wanted to be, um, you know, fully taken care of by a husband. I, you know, my mom was financially taken care of by my dad. And I always was like, oh, that's not going to be me. You know, um, no. I can remember my mom wanting to like buy a lamp or something. And she always, out of respect, talked it over with my dad. And I just remember thinking like, if I want to buy a lamp. I want to be able to just go buy a lamp and not have to like have this conversation about it. And, um, you know, I just, so to have my husband taking care of me, I just felt, gosh, there's something missing or what's going on. But I, I knew I had to kind of work through that. And I decided that I was going to reach out to a couple that I knew that owned a business in my town. They owned a, a little kitchen store and they were the only people that I knew that owned their own business and, you know, were kind of doing life from, from what I saw, you know, and that's always the thing. Once you get in it, it's much different. But from what I saw was like the life, you know, you, you get up, you go to your, your store and you, you 
sell a few things and you go home and there's no worries. Right. Um, exactly. and so, yeah, so I went and I learned from them and I was a manager and a buyer for four years, learned everything that I could. Um, the final year I worked there, I was, uh, working there with the intention of buying it. And that was 2008 and the housing crisis, uh, happened. And so the bank, I remember they said, gosh, if this had been two months earlier, Jessica, we could have given you this loan. I mean, the, the, the paperwork shows that this business can more than support this loan, but because of the crisis, we can only give you enough for the inventory, which a small store, the inventory is not going to be that much. And so <laughs> I left there because that is one thing I've always been good at. If I know something is no longer serving me, I'm, I can walk away from that. And so I walked away because I wanted to own my own business. And um, a couple of weeks later, I was at a Christmas party and a lady came up to me and she said, Jessica, I know you'll probably never leave the kitchen store, but I'm a, I'm a grandma now. I want to stay home with my grandbabies and I want to sell my business. And I'd love for you to come work for me for a year and buy it. And she had a wedding rental company. So that's what I did. Wow. So, I mean, you, you learned under entrepreneurs. It doesn't sound like you had an employer-employee relationship so much with them as a opportunity to be a fly on a wall and watch what it took to run a business and build a business and, and sort of the ups and downs of it. And I would assume that put you in a good position to buy that wedding rental business. Yes, and I will say this too. They, they were good friends of my parents and so the people who owned the kitchen store. And so it, honestly, it was a very comfortable place for me. And I felt like I could ask questions. Um, I'm sure at times, I, I mean, I wish I could go back and uh, apologize um, <laughs> for the times that I was a little like a, you know, disgruntled teenager and, um, you know, and everything. But I, it was such a safe place to learn a lot about business. And I, I mean, some of the lessons that I take with me today, I learned, you know, there. Um, just doing the work and being, um, you know, an everyday just worker and seeing, you know, the desire to be the owner and, um, and working towards that and knowing that that doesn't just come overnight. And then, yeah, when I uh, bought the wedding rental business, what's interesting about that is I really thought that everything at the kitchen store had prepared me for that. But man, was I wrong? I mean, it's just such a different thing when you, first of all, rental business is completely different than a retail business. And then second of all, it's just, you don't really know all the ins and outs until you are in that driver's seat. And some of those ins and outs, I, I assume some of it is, is inventory management. Some of it is dealing with vendors of your own. Some of it is being a vendor and then being to support. Did you have any employees that you bought along with that business or was it you? No, it was me. Um, my husband would work all day. He was a financial advisor and then he would come to the studio after work and we would do things to get, we would press the linens and we would, you know, clean the chairs and pack the trucks and everything. And um, I had one or two college students who worked part-time and that was it. That was it. So, I mean, I was doing everything myself. And at the time, you know, there was this this retail front store that I housed all the rentals in so people could come in and they could see the things and they could place their order. And one of the things that I realized very quickly was, um, wow. So I have to be open all day to meet with these people. And then at five o'clock when I lock the doors, that's when I actually work on the business. So you, I was working with customers, you know, from nine to six and then at six o'clock I was having, you know, that's when I was able to finally check my email or do the accounting or, you know, those things. 
But thinking back, it's not quite the picture of the freedom that maybe you had anticipated. Yes, you owned your own business. Yes, you had control, but your business was your employer because you had to be open. You couldn't just leave at two o'clock unless you were going to close down the business and no one was coming, which stopped obviously new traffic from possibly coming in. How did you deal with that? How did you manage that? So I think one of the things that uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget is that you actually are the owner of your business and you can change things and you can, um, I think we get stuck in a routine and, and especially those of us who buy existing businesses, it's like, well, no, this is the way it's been done. And this is the way I need to do it. And even though I came in with ideas and, and changed some things up, I still, you know, it never dawned on me that I could until I really took a step away from my business um, to work on my business. Because the thing is, is most entrepreneurs, I don't know a single entrepreneur that goes into business thinking, you know, I don't, I want to just, I want to work 20 hours a day and really not make any money. And, you know, this isn't really that big of a deal we all go in with the best of intentions and we want to do well and we want our product or our service or our idea to be helpful. And um, the problem is, is we haven't laid the foundation of business and I hadn't done that. And it was only after my husband got really ill. And after I had had uh, my daughter and my twin boys that I took a minute and stepped out and went, okay, how am I going to figure this out? Um, and the best way to do that is to step away from your business. Otherwise you're just on a hamster wheel and you can't see it because you're in it. You have to be able to step away, um, and look at it. And, and that's the only way you're going to see the, the cracks really, and be able to, you know, build that foundation, which is, which is what I did. And all, many, many people, regardless of whether they're entrepreneurs or, or just in life have a triggering event that changes them yeah. feels like for the worse, but, but ultimately somehow is for the better going through it. When your, your husband got sick and, and you talk about this in the book, your husband gets sick. He was a financial advisor. So he essentially had his own business because yeah. he had his own client base. You had your own business. You've got three kids. That seems like a very strange time to step back and, yeah. and, and look at your business in a different way. You had a lot of balls in there. How did you, what allowed you to do that, I guess, for lack of a better question? Um, I did. I don't think, I, I didn't really see it as I had an option. I mean, my options basically were I can quit, give up, go bankrupt, um, you know, fail at this and go work, work for someone else, or I can figure this out. And I will say, honestly, more than being successful, I was determined not to fail. I was determined not to um, you know, have to go into bankruptcy. I was determined, um, not to go work for someone else. That really was the main thing. It was like, we need money. Um, because it's only a matter of time until my husband probably loses his job. I knew as a business person that, you know, it's not that he, um, it's not personal, but if, if a person is sick and in the hospital and they can't physically do their job, a business can't afford to just hang on to them because they're a nice person. Um, and so I just was like, okay, you're going to have to figure this out and you're either going to have to figure it out for yourself or you're going to have to go work for someone else. And that was, that's my biggest fear in life is having to, um, having someone else tell me what to do with my time. And so I, 
I did. I just really looked at my, I was able to step away, look at it. One of the first things I realized was I'm not set up for a rental company. Like what in the world? We were a rental business that did a little bit of floral on the side. And when I stepped away, I thought, wow. So we were making like 30 grand a month in rentals, but we were spending, you know, 29.5 or 31 or whatever. Um, but with floral, we may have only made 10 grand a month, but we were only spending four. And so when you can kind of really step back and look at those things and then really step back and determine what it is that you need, I have a program that I, that I teach called Know Your Numbers. And I think that's a big thing. You've got to know your numbers and you don't have to know every single number. You've got to know just a couple. And, um, and I walk you through it to where it's really simple to understand and it actually, it, it's empowering and it gives you confidence and it allows you to just be a better business owner when you actually know what you need, then you're not grasping for every job, every client. Cause you're like, I don't need every client. I just need six or I need, you know, 10 or whatever it is that you need. Um, but I really do think that, that, uh, yeah, that was the big thing for me. It's just stepping away and looking and going, I, it's either I've got to make money or I got to go work for someone else. So let me figure this out. And it really was just building the foundation of my business. I didn't have that. Interesting. And so you brought floral in, and did, did floral take over and it become, did it become a, a floral business? Did you keep the, the rentals as part of the, the I guess, the incoming um, clients so they could come to you for that and they could get this? So did you build out, build out a full wedding repertoire for your, for your clients, one-stop what, shop? Yeah, what's interesting is when you have a moment to step outside your business and look at it, you and you can breathe for a second, you start to see things very clearly. And for me, I was like, okay, I, there's a company that I know in an adjacent town who's totally set up for rentals. They've got a warehouse and they have trucks upon trucks and tons of people and, you know, more than just me and another college girl, you know, yep. like lifting these huge tables and stuff. Um, so I made a deal with him and I, so I was like, boom, now I'm done with my rentals. Now I can take uh, half of my building space and rent it to someone else because I no longer have to house those rentals. And now I can meet by appointment only with people who just want to do floral um, versus having to be open all the time. And so there were just the, these, you know, really simple things that I did that actually ended up making me more money. And then just actually building the foundation of a floral design business. And then, um, then I became a wedding planner. And so I have a program called the, the Business Behind the Balloons, and it is about how to actually make money in the wedding industry, because I don't think that there um, is a lot out there that teaches you, you know, really the foundation of it. There are people who can teach how to make something pretty or, you know, some business basics, but this is really the foundation of the wedding industry and how to make money doing it. And in a year, I went from making nothing to bringing home six figure, a six-figure salary. Um, so, I mean, it works, it works. That's awesome. And congratulations on being able to build that success in a very crowded space, right? It's, it's not like you're the one floral business, the one wedding business in, yeah. in a given area. There's a lot of people in that. I mean, the flower shops in that business, even if they're not intentionally in that business. Right. Well, also I live in a small town in Arkansas. And I think a lot of people think that unless you live in some big city, you're never going to get like big budget weddings. And that just isn't the case, you know? Um, and so there's money to be had wherever, wherever it is that you live. Um, but you just have to know how to 
attract that client. You have to know how to build, like I said, the foundation of your business to be able to handle that. Um, because until you have that, those things aren't going to happen. You know, it's that whole saying of if you build it, they will come. You, if you don't have that foundation of your business properly done, you're never going to grow. You're never going to build. You're always going to be starting over. Um, it's like that, that book of the three little pigs in the different houses, you know, until you have that solid foundation, then and only then can you expand and grow. That's so true. And so, and it, it's so easy to say, but yet it's hard to do it. And you were able to do it. Tell us about the transition into what you're doing now with helping other people in their businesses. So you being their set of eyes that yeah. helps them see the things that they just, they're just blind to. So I really studied about the habits of successful people. And one of the things that I, I read was that successful people utilize the low seasons. And so after I had that successful year, I, um, it was January, January, February, March are typically really slow in Arkansas in the wedding season. And so I decided to just write down what I did. Honestly, it was, um, and it's what later became the business behind the blooms, but I just wrote it down. I put it in a locked PDF. At the time, I didn't even really know about like online courses and stuff. I had zero people on a newsletter list. I think I had 300 followers on Instagram and I sold this locked PDF called the business behind the blooms and I sold 44 copies. I thought I would do it that one time and that'd be it. And um, I started getting testimonies back from people saying, oh my goodness, I've never sold more than $2,000 in floral for a wedding before, but after um, reading your sales process, I just booked my first $20,000 floral order and I live wow. in a small town in Mississippi or whatever. And, um, and it really, it, I saw how life changing this was for people. And to be honest, I felt so much more comfortable sharing vulnerably about my experience than I ever did actually creating floral centerpieces or anything like that. I felt you know, a little bit like a fraud. I was able to hone a craft for it. I mean, right. I did okay, but it was never like a passion of mine. I didn't grow up in the garden or, you know, um, <laughs> looking at color palettes. I mean, I wear black every day for crying out loud. I just, I'm not that like feminine, romantic, girly person. And so I just thought that I was meant to go through that to learn how to do the business so I could teach about the business. And then it just developed into more, um, just entrepreneurial, not just wedding business, but um, just business in general for entrepreneurs and for women. Um, and so um, I teach really vulnerably about business, which I believe prepared me to share really vulnerably about my personal life, which is um, my book, Sleeping With, Sleeping With a Stranger, which is right here. So, yeah. And, and, and let's talk about that. You, you, you said, at least in some of the, on your website and and some of the information you sent me that that you're an oversharer, oh, and sure. um, talk about oversharing, and then we'll get to why you over, why you shared in the book and the personal side. But oversharing on social media, like there's ways to do it successfully because we see it every day. There are people who share stuff that is surprising, but then there's ways to do it successfully, and yeah. it seems that that you've been able to do it successfully. Tell us a little bit about that. I think that people are craving connection. To be honest, I think that. Um, People want to feel heard. They want to know that they're being seen. Um, and I think that the biggest way for that to happen is when they feel connection. And when everything out there that people consume is 
a highlight reel or the best version of something or even a not real version of something, you don't feel that connection and that connection can make you feel very lonely. And so I think the business behind the balloons really showed me that, wow, like really sharing about the big mistakes that I made in my wedding business. And I mean, I'm talking big mistakes. Like I almost went bankrupt and I was in the red all the time. And, and I shared these things and I shared how not having a serious contract totally bit me, you know, like just, I shared all these things. And I think instead of telling people what to do by sharing what I did and then how I fixed it, people related to that. And they were like, Oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who's done that. I don't feel alone. And, um, and that really, I think they felt that connection to me. And so with sleeping with a stranger, it really, you know, sharing vulnerably about business prepared me to share vulnerably about my personal life. And I feel like I'm just the kind of person who I have no interest in cocktail conversation, which, <laughs> you know, is just the, Hey, how's the weather? How right. you doing? Fine. Like I just kind of come from a place of like, if we're not bearing our soul, what's the point? And that can be a lot for some people. I mean, some people need the fluff and all of that. I'm not your person. If you need the fluff, I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to give it to you straight. Um, and I'm going to talk real from the very beginning. And so I think um, there are people, listen, in any business, we're going to attract people and we're going to repel people. If you don't like to talk about the, the, the hard, gritty, tough times, I'm going to repel you. You are not my people. Um, and I'm not your person, you know, but if you want to feel that connection, then I am. And so I think that that is what gave me the strength to write Sleeping with a Stranger. It's interesting that, that you say that because one of the biggest challenges that I have, and I do marketing and strategic planning, business planning for clients, right? And, and it's easy to say, oh, I want a million dollar business and I, here are the steps to get there. Right. But almost no one will yeah. admit where they are. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that really is um, uh, one of the biggest parts to me about the book Sleeping with a Stranger is it's, there's all these people out there and this is not a business book. It's a very personal book, but I talk about my business journey in it. It's just part of the, it's part of the story. But you know, I get, I get a little irritated when all I see, and we see it a lot in women. I don't know about, about men, but there's a lot of things out there that, that out there that say you can have a million dollar business and you can travel the world and you can be a mom to your kids and be present and have this great life. And I think, okay, it's not that that isn't true, but you're, what you're not showing is the sacrifice it takes to get there. What you're not showing is that when you say million dollar business, that doesn't actually mean that you have a million dollars in the bank. That means you've got a million dollars in revenue you may have spent between four to 600,000 on um, expenses. Then you got to pay salaries and you got to, so at the end of the day, you may actually come away with, if you're lucky, a hundred grand, you know what I mean? Of that. Right. So let's, let's be honest about what that is. And then let's be honest about the sacrifices that it actually takes. And so that was part of sleeping with a stranger for me was if you followed me for any amount of time, you've seen this, um, this image. And now I want to share with you what was actually happening behind the scenes because it wasn't all pretty. Well, I appreciate you, you putting it out there because we, we all have stuff, yeah. right? W whatever our stuff is, yours, um, obviously with, with your husband being sick and needing to create money and 
verge of bankruptcy and all those things, uh, maybe not everybody's is to that extent, or at least they don't see it to that extent, but we all have stuff. And by writing it and putting it out there for people in a, in a story format, yeah. probably really easy for people to, to want to know more. And then from a business perspective, want more of you because of what you gave them. Correct. I hope so. <laughs> I, 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 I think from your social media and from the success you've had, I'm sure it, it will continue to work. And for the book itself, when you wrote it, did you, did you think from a business perspective on the book, meaning, all right, I'm going to write this book. I need to think about marketing the book. I want to think what's my foundation for the book and what am I going to do with it from a business perspective? Or were you writing the book regardless of if anyone bought a copy? No, I mean, it was definitely from a business perspective. I will say that it was, it, unlike anything else that I've ever done in business, this was something that I felt really led to do. Whereas with biz, business prior to sleeping with a stranger was very strategic and very, um, and yes, it was like every step leads to the next thing. Um, sure. But this was the first time that I felt this is something bigger than, than you and these things that you have to share. This is real this could really help people and that and it actually has nothing to do with you it's just a story that you were given because you're supposed to share it and I felt like I had a responsibility I really felt like I was given this this story or this experience because I would take it seriously and I would get the story out as excellently as I could and I think that like I said I mean everything that I've done has taught me about business. It's taught me about marketing. It's taught me about sharing vulnerably. I mean, so to me, it was like, okay, everything that I've done up until now, which so much of it to be, to be honest, Adam, I was, I, there would be times I was really confused. Like why on earth am I in the wedding industry? You know what I mean? Like how did I land here? Or why am I now teaching online about business? Like I hated school. Why am I, you know, there were times that I was really but then when, when, when the book thing came, I was like, oh, this is why. That's why all those things happen is because this is actually my greatest impact right now. And so I, um, of course I wrote it um, for personal healing and all of that, but it was really, to, in my opinion, my biggest business venture yet in the sense that I knew I wanted to self-publish it. I could have, I could have gone with um, publishing companies. I chose not to. So putting my money, my own money to back it up. Um, Cause I was looking at a long game there and, yep. you know, and, and everything. I mean, it was, it was, it was a big business decision and I chose to bring on a team of people cause I didn't know anything about writing a book or um, I mean, I could write my story, but I also wanted it to be treated. I found that most, people I would talk to who self-published a book, it was like, not that big of a deal. They kind of wrote it and they put it out there and it was just sold on Amazon. And, um, and I was, and it was just on paperback, you know, and I was like, no, no, no. Like we're going to treat this with as much respect as any publishing company does. We're, it's going to be hardcover. We're going to have an audio book. We're going to have a Kindle. We're going to, um, it's going to be in Barnes and Noble. It's going to be, and let me tell you, those things are really difficult as a self-published first time author to achieve, but that was the level of excellence that I wanted this to be treated with. And in order to do that, you have to back that up financially. 
And so um, it's a big risk, but I believe that it will, I believe it's going to pay off. That's awesome. Love the perspective and, and just love the detail that you gave up about how you did it and, and why you did it more importantly. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool to hear. Last question for me as we wrap up, there's probably a lot of people, uh, men and women alike, who are at a bit of a crossroads because they've got family stuff going on, because we're recording this in, in COVID land and, and everything going on in their lives. Not always an easy question to answer, but I, I'd love your thoughts on, you know, when people get off of here and they're like, I get it, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm where she was. What, what advice can you give them of what can they do first in order to take that step back like you did those, all those years ago and say, all right, now I'm going to take stock in what I've got and build something great. What, what's the first step? I think that you have to understand that until you are good, like it really is like the, the metaphor or the instructions they give you on an airplane. You've got to put your own mask on before you put your child's mask on because you're, you're not any good to anybody if you can't breathe. Um, it's the same thing. You have got to take care of yourself. Um, and I think that that is a huge thing that entrepreneurs let go of. They just, it's all their business. Their business is their baby, their livelihood, everything. I get that. I've been there and I can still get there. And I have to kind of check myself before I wreck myself, you know, and, and go, okay, calm down. Like it's not that serious. Um, I think you have to have a, a, a start time to quit time when it comes to your business. Um, you know, not having email on your phone, um, simple things like that. And also, um, you've got to just put a couple systems into place that are going to work for you that are basically going to automate and are going to make your job easier, especially for solopreneurs who can't, um, at this time, maybe they, they don't think that they can, you know, hire or outsource. I have a program called the power of pinning and it's all about Pinterest and, and how to market with Pinterest for free. Um, and how that just brings you, you know, clients for years to come. It works for you for years. I still get inquiries every week from people wanting me to do their wedding. I haven't done a wedding in over two years. I love it. Thank, thank you, Jessica Zimmerman. And you can go to jessicazimmerman.com. You can, uh, there's an audio uh, portion of her book out there. You can buy her book. You can see her courses. Uh, plus there's a ton of information that she gives on her podcast and her blog and everything else that she does. Jessica, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for being here for the Entrepreneur's MBA. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.